Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, sitting in for Mike Adams, here's Sabrina Hill. Thanks for joining us on this Friday. I'm Sabrina Hill, wrapping up my week of filling in for Mike Adams. Now, coming up in today's show, we talk with an expert on estate planning who helps shed some light on this complicated issue and gives us some tips on how to tackle it. We also go back out to Madison, Wisconsin for the World Dairy Expo. But we're starting off with some news today. A big announcement is expected from President Donald Trump next week in Council Bluffs, Iowa. He's expected to announce a lifting of a ban on higher ethanol blends. I had Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa on the show as a guest Thursday. In case you missed it, here's what she had to say. Senator Ernst, there is word now that President Trump will be in Iowa next week. There are hopes for an announcement on year-round E15. Have you heard anything about if that announcement will happen, or is it still all just kind of guesswork at this time? Well, I am very hopeful that that is the announcement. Um, so I have been working quite extensively with, of course, the administration on this issue. Our delegation has been very diligent uh, about uh, working with the president as well. And, and, of course, we have made the plug for E15 year round. And uh, we have heard the president say before that he supports that. So, wow, wouldn't that be the logical place to make an announcement like that right there in Iowa? Exactly. And and exactly. What would that mean for your farmers there in Iowa? Well, it would provide optimism in the market, which is really important right now with our, our corn prices um, really not, not doing so well. So it would be very, very helpful. Um, our farmers would absolutely love the opportunity to have E15 uh, sold year-round in all locations. And, uh, of course, our consumers would love that, too, to have a little more selection and choice at the pump year-round. So I think it's a great thing. I think our farmers are going to love it. President Trump is scheduled to be in Council Bluffs, Iowa on Tuesday. As we've been talking about this week, there was big news on the trade front with the U.S. and Canada coming to a deal that reworks NAFTA and creates the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. And never has the world of agriculture trade been so exciting and so unpredictable. Take the U.S.-China situation, for example. Gary Crawford has more. Such a boring time in trade these days. Uh-huh, with tongue firmly in cheek there, that was USDA Undersecretary for Trade Ted McKinney. His audience, a trade symposium in Washington put on by the United Fresh Produce Association. And of course, we have lots of things going on, the NAFTA negotiations, talks with other countries, and then there's the China problem, which some are calling a trade war. I'm not ready to call it a trade war. If you want to, that's fine. Well, whatever it is, McKinney says it won't be over until China recognizes that... You can't steal intellectual property. You can't force technology transfer just to allow access. Maybe someday they'll approve our biotechnology traits. Some of which have been awaiting approval for seven years, but McKinney told reporters... This is not a hostile relationship. It's actually quite warm. There's just some distinct differences. He said there are differences that can be settled, however, but how long is it going to take? I think we're more into months than anything else. He would not elaborate on how many months. So, with what could be a long trade dispute with China, many are asking whether the U.S. might reconsider its pullout from the Trans-Pacific Partnership. That's an 11-nation trade arrangement that does not include China and in part was created to band those countries in that area together so they would have some market power in competing with China. One of President Trump's first acts was to pull the U.S. out of the TPP. Ted McKinney was asked about the possibility of the U.S. rejoining TPP. I think we have yet to see where we go on TPP. You know, I think the president teased us a couple of times on that. If they offered us a deal that I can't refuse on behalf of the United States, I would do it. But McKinney told his audience... We haven't heard anything that would revisit that, but we'll see. The day that McKinney was making those comments, the same day that world leaders were meeting in New York for several days of activities around the United Nations General Assembly meeting, President Trump had been scheduled to meet with the Prime Minister of Japan, one of the 11 countries involved in TPP, possibly other members. Maybe we'll see some announcements that clarify that kind of thing. And indeed, President Trump did make an announcement that would indicate little interest in rejoining TPP. In Washington, Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, the World Dairy Expo is happening this week in Madison, Wisconsin. Brian Winkins has been covering that for us all week. He has a bit now on one of the features at the expo. 
I'm at the Dairy Grazing Apprenticeship uh, booth here at World Dairy Expo, and joining us is Joe Tamandel, and uh, he is uh, in charge of uh, the uh, Dairy Grazing Apprenticeship Program, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And Joe, thank you for joining us. Well, first, for those that don't know, tell us about the Dairy Grazing Apprenticeship. This is something for uh, really people of all ages. It definitely is. It's a formal apprenticeship in dairy farming. So just like the electricians or the bricklayers, where you actually go out, you get a job in the field. Uh, it's a paid occupation, a full-time, and then along with the, the actual job itself, it's it's a more of a structured job, you could say, uh, where you're basically brought in to go through all the different components of, of the career itself. So, for instance, for the Dairy Grazing Apprenticeship, an individual is working on a farm, uh, but they're not just doing one job every day. Yes, there's still plenty of milking and, and plenty of regular work, but we're also trying to expose that individual and everything from ear tagging to feed budgeting uh, so that we can really groom a person uh, and allow them the opportunities to move into a management equity earning position, maybe in a farm transfer situation someday. And at the same time, while the, the, the folks that are in this apprenticeship program, they're also being paid? Yes, it's a full-time paid job. So it's really, it's a it's a win-win for the apprentice. I mean, they're getting an education, they're getting experience, uh, they're getting a credential at the end of the day, and they've been paid through the whole thing. Uh, and while they're in that apprenticeship, they're getting networked in with other farmers in the dairy industry and the supply and, uh, and the service industry of it, uh, as well as the different, um, uh, the farm service agencies, the NRCSs, and all the support agencies also, so that they can be more of a success moving forward. Talking with Joe Tamandel, he's with the Dairy Grazing Apprenticeship here at World Dairy Expo. So this is open to uh, people right out of high school up to any age? So... At the minimum, we've got you've got to be 18 years of age uh, and have a high school diploma to participate in the program. Uh, we've got individuals at that level all the way up to you know mid-career young families, uh, people you know uh, mid to late career looking for a career change. Even uh, they're coming in. Our average age is about 29 years old. That's in the program. Uh, many young families that are coming in too, uh, just looking for that opportunity uh, to engage within dairy uh, and to look for that potential opportunity your pathway into a more significant level into dairy farming, uh, whether it be management or ownership. And so with once a how long is the apprenticeship first? The apprenticeship is a two-year apprenticeship, uh, 4,000 total hours. 3,700 hours are on-the-job training following a guided job book that's paid. Uh, 300 hours approximately are in the classroom type of work. So it's basically the, the whys behind the how-tos. Uh, so there are classes in um, milk quality and dairy herd management, animal nutrition, soil quality, uh, Etc. Uh, that we that we have the apprentices go through also. How are apprentices matched up with farmers? So what we do is uh, when a farm is approved as a master and we're looking for farms that have got at least five years of managed grazing experience uh, to come in as a master type of farmer uh, and then they're able to bring one of their employees through the program. The other thing that we do and that's one of the reasons why we're here at Expo also is we're looking for individuals that want to play a bigger role in dairy and especially production dairy. Uh, so we've got a list of candidates um, that's approaching about 160 candidates right now uh, that are looking for jobs on farms. Joe Tamandel, he's with the uh, Dairy Grazing Apprenticeship from World Dairy Expo. I'm Brian Winnikins. We have more from Brian and the World Dairy Expo coming up after this break. This is AOA. I'm Sabrina Hill. We'll be right back. comes to selecting your propane supplier, you have options, and switching to FS has never been easier. If you're looking to find a propane provider who is committed to providing you the professional, knowledgeable, and dependable service you deserve, be confident in choosing FS Propane. We offer flexible payment options that fit your needs so that you can focus on your family and not on your propane bill. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today and let us help make your house feel like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. 
the Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I pressed the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Sabrina Hill. Welcome back to AOA. We go back out now to the World Dairy Expo in Madison, Wisconsin with Brian Winnikins. Joining me right now is Steve Maddox. He's uh, on the uh, Dairy Management Incorporated uh, Board of Directors, and he's a dairy farmer from California here at uh, World Dairy Expo. And uh, Steve, Thank you for joining us uh, today. Uh, Well, last year at this time, everyone was talking about, oh, my word, there's going to be these Chinese tariffs, and how is that going to adversely affect us? This year, the topic of conversation is, is, oh, my word, we have an agreement with Canada, and we might get additional Canadian dairy access, and I'm sure that's been a pretty big hot topic of discussion. Yeah, Brian, nice to talk to you again, by the way, and and, uh, it's fun coming home to uh, World Dairy Expo. No, uh, it's... With the agreement, you know, between Canada and, and Mexico and the United States, it, it reop- reopens, relevels the playing field from uh, uh, little uh, uh, interpretations from the original NAFTA deal that put uh, the United States at a disadvantage. You have to remember that 36% of our exports from the United States dairy, dairy uh, do go to those two countries. Mexico's number one, Canada's in the top five. Uh, exporting about $1.7 billion worth last year in 2017. Talking with Steve Maddox, he's uh, on the uh, DMI board, a dairy farmer from uh, California here at World Dairy Expo. Steve, now, in Cal- I know California was not affected as much by the Class 7 issue as dairy farmers in Wisconsin and in New York. There's been a lot of reports that Class 7 may be eliminated. Have have has DMI seen anything that would indicate that that is part of the agreement? Uh, we, we we've been informed that it is part of the agreement, but it's not just on the the ultra filtrated milk. You have to realize that that you know there's been a four times increase in, in butter consum- or importation into Canada, and with but with and they would like to fulfill that marketplace themselves, obviously. So they've grown their quota for the first time in a number of years. But when you make butter, you also have excess protein powders. They've been dumping those on the world market 10 to 15 percent under the market price, and that has disrupted my price in California and for New Zealand and Europe 
and I, I really think that ongoing they would have had a WTO violation if they would have continued. So I think that was also additional pressure for them to, to uh, release on, on the uh, Class 7. Talking with Steve Maddox, uh, he is uh, on the uh, Dairy Management Incorporated uh, Board of Directors, a dairy farmer from uh, California, and he's here at World Dairy Expo. Well, let's talk about the Undeniably Dairy Program. This, this is the program through DMI. This replaced Got Milk, which everybody remembers uh, and still talks about today, but tell us about some of the projects that have been going on with Undeniably Dairy. Now, Got Milk is the dairy processors, that's the bottlers, okay? And so, and, and they did some wonderful ads. But really, Undeniably Dairy is the full scope of what we're doing, the sustainability of the industry, providing uh, entirely nutritious uh, food for people to eat, but also worried about the environment, cow care, employees, local communities. It's a total concept that we're doing from grass to the glass of uh, being good citizens and, and uh, providing for the next generation. I know that uh, there's been uh, there's been the fuel up to place 60. There's been some other uh, things that uh, the that uh, DMI has done here in in the past. But you talked about sustainability, and that's such a vague word at times. What are some of the things, from a sustainability standpoint, that DMI is is working on to let consumers know what dairy farmers are doing? Well, part of it is just measuring what we are doing. And, and what are our impacts and what are we doing to be more efficient, be more productive, be more profitable. Sustainability is providing for the next generation. And it's hard to do that when you're always in the red. Also, it's hard to be green when you're in the red, huh? As far as environmentally. So what, what can we do to be more efficient with the cows, better cow comfort, and in turn, reduce our effect on the environment, greenhouse gases and the like, and... Uh, also clear into uh, recycling water, recycling and the processing of our products to uh, um, and, and using that. Very little is waste anymore in the dairy industry. We've reduced our carbon footprint. We've used our water use by 75% and, and, oh, since World War II and making even greater strides today. Meanwhile, Steve, uh, looking at the, the demand side of it, uh, trying to increase the use of dairy products, not just cheese, but even fluid milk sales, there's been a lot of good news recently over the last year or so from USDA. All of a sudden, oh, geez, maybe this uh, whole milk stuff isn't such a bad thing. <laughs> well, I tell you what, there's a lot of benefits uh, to whole milk, and, and, and what they're finding is, is that Dairy fat isn't as bad for you as they, they thought it was. It's kind of being rediscovered to, as a health benefit. It's a good fat, and um, and really what it does also, it helps with satiality. The kids feel fuller. They're not as, at, not as apt to snack as much. It's too often our, our dietitians look at only one meal, and they don't look at the full diet for people for the full day like we do with the cows. And so if you do that then whole milk has got a, a, a spot. Cheese and other dairy products have got to definitely have a home in everybody's diet if you look at the whole day's worth and take everything in, into consideration, including the snacks. One of the things that while USDA has, has started to come out saying, okay, we, we have, uh, it looks like this whole milk uh, product is actually very beneficial uh, to, to uh, kids of all ages from one to 91. Uh, there, there's still a little bit of uh, hesitation, at least, to get more whole milk into the lunch line. And, and what what are some of the things that potentially DMI can do to, to maybe encourage kids to, to kids and schools to, to look at having that whole milk in the lunch line? Well, one of the one of the issues with with whole milk in the lunch line is how do you keep it ice cold? How do you present it in such a way that the kids will want to drink it? Ice cold milk is delicious. A lot of times the lunchrooms set it out. They don't proper handling on it. And that's something that we've got to educate the lunch lines, the cafeteria people, and, and provide them low-cost uh, low funding to, to uh, buy those coolers to provide that milk in the right condition for the kids to eat. And that's, I think, something that uh, a lot of uh, dairy farmers and, and really a lot of folks maybe not don't think of is, is that, that the infrastructure to get that milk into the lunch line is a lot more complicated than just, ah, we'll put out a big bowl, throw some ice in there, throw some cartons of milk, and yeah, we'll call it a day. 
Well, I wish they'd at least do that. <laughs> they don't do that too often. So really, you know, the handling of it is also important. Whether it's cheese or, or yogurt or the like, you still got to put it in a form where the kids will want to drink it and take care of it to, to get that taste. That's one reason why flavored milk is a way of getting the kids. The kids will drink it. They'll eat their full lunch lunches if they've got milk or, or flavored milk. And, and uh, you, you'll see better nutrition because of that. And the kids... Uh, doing better in school because they're, they're getting more nutrition, whether it's breakfast or lunch. That's Steve Maddox. He's a California dairy farmer. He's on the uh, Dairy Management Incorporated Board of Directors from World Dairy Expo. I'm Brian Winnikins. On the topic of dairy, a new program called Dairy Revenue Protection will soon be available to protect dairy producers from low milk prices. American Farm Bureau Chief Economist John Newton says the protection plan is geared for all dairy farmers. A lot of dairy farms around the country are paid based on the components, and this new insurance product can match those component levels. And more importantly, it's priced the same for every dairy farmer per hundred weight of milk based on the risk environment. So there's no size restrictions. There's no discounts on premiums for small or large farmers. It truly is a sound risk management tool and uses pricing principles based on that. Newton is a 15-year veteran known for his award-winning work in farm risk management, He's been working on the Dairy Revenue Protection Plan for more than two years and is happy to see it launch October 9th. So on October 10th, I'm going to take a vacation. <laughs> Over two years on this, I think the thing that makes me the most proud is I've been around the country talking to Farm Bureau members, getting their input, and, and they were instrumental in the development of this new product. More details available at DairyRP.com. Newton is also participating in a panel discussion today at World Dairy Expo. When we come back, we focus on estate planning with David Dvorak, who's an owner of the Dvorak Law Group based out of Omaha, Nebraska. Here's a quick preview of what's coming up. What is the biggest mistake you would say that people make when they're doing estate planning? I think you touched on it, Sabrina. Um, well, 100% it's sort of paralysis by analysis or fear of, of you know doing this and getting it done. I mean, some people have this almost irrational thought that, if I do my escape plan, I'm going to die. Right? My mentor back in the day, uh, you know, used to, uh, uh, you know, reiterate the old phrase, a job once begun is half done. Just get in, talk to somebody. I think it's cathartic for people. Uh, when they come in uh, and we're sitting in a room, uh, it's almost like a counseling session. They're explaining, um, you know, their life, their, their uh, philosophies. They're talking about their kids. I, I think if you if they do that, uh, the, the technical stuff of it is easy. I mean, it, it just really is. But you got to get it going. Doing nothing is where uh, all the problems ensue. And quite frankly, it costs exponentially more to unravel those things. This is AOA. I'm Sabrina Hill. We'll be back in just a moment. need a car been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit low credit no credit bankruptcy or divorce guess what today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car truck or suv just about any vehicle it's true bad credit doesn't matter no credit doesn't matter bankruptcy or divorce it just doesn't matter as a matter of fact your job is your ticket to your new vehicle we're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Grain futures ended mixed on Thursday. We're a bit defensive in corn and soybeans on this Friday. The wheat futures have been in a mix. Rainy weather in the Midwest continues to threaten harvest progress. The wet weather forecast in the Midwest has been extended. Excessive rain could last through next week. 
traders also positioning ahead of next week's supply-demand numbers from USDA on the charts. November soybeans settling slightly lower yesterday, trending 6 to 7 lower an hour into this Friday. For now, the bulls stalling just shy of 870 and three-quarters, looking to the downside. Chart support seen at 842. We're about a dime above that. December corn eking out modest gains at the final bell yesterday. Buyers supporting the market on an intraday dip to 364 and three quarters. The rising 10-day moving average acting as support at 363 and a half, but we are treading water near that level on this Friday. The weather forecast calling for increasing coverage of moderate and heavy rain at the end of this week through to the middle part of next week that could delay harvest. It'll be highly unfavorable for maturing crops in the western and north-central Midwest. Across the northern plains, unsettled weather is expected to continue during the next five to seven days. Snow in some cases. For the wheats, we're a penny and a half on either side of steady with Chicago wheat December 519 and a half, up a penny and a half. Live cattle futures at the Merck, 25 to 32 cents higher, 57 to 87 higher in feeder cattle. Lean hog futures, 30 to a dollar 17 higher on this Friday. On Wall Street, the Dow is down 35 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Sabrina Hill. Welcome back to AOA. Have you thought about what happens to the farm if you're no longer around? It's a complicated issue with many facets, not one that most people like to talk about. We want to help you get some information on the matter. For this segment, we're talking with Dave Dvorak, who is the owner of Dvorak Law Group, based out of Omaha, Nebraska. All right, we want to talk about estate planning today, and I know that it's very important, especially when we're talking about family farms, but um, can you tell me why thinking about an estate uh, plan should be important for our farmers? Yeah, that's a great question, Sabrina. Um, and, and I don't think it's just specific to farmers but um, or ranchers, but um, uh, but it's certainly probably more uh, uh, raw and real to farmers and ranchers, given their passion for, for what they do. But um, if you don't have an estate plan, very simply stated, uh, the state has one for you. And uh, so leaving it to uh, lawmakers uh, to dictate where uh, your farm or your ranch will go, uh, if that uh, isn't unnerving, I don't know what would be. But uh, the long and short of it is, is you need to be the one in control of uh, the disposition of your assets when you die uh, because the state, uh, recognizing that not everybody does that, uh, has a series of statutes in place that will dictate where your assets go, which may be very inconsistent with where you wanted them to go. So for people like me who are not attorneys, it sounds a little overwhelming to create an estate plan. What actually goes into this? Well, and I think that's you know, probably the biggest impediment to people getting it done, the fact that they have to go into an attorney's office and sort of bear their soul. But uh, it's really, if, if you go to people that uh, specialize in estate planning, and, and that's what I would recommend you know, off the top, they're very efficient and very adept at, getting to uh, asking the right questions and, and, and calling the right information. But what goes into a state plan um, from an estate planner's perspective is, number one, listening, getting the facts, 
uh, of the family and understanding the objectives. Um, so first, the, the, the planner has to be a very good listener uh, and has to know how to ask the right questions. Once we have the facts, there's kind of an educational component uh, that uh, plays into this. I and mean, you have to know some basic rules, tax rules oftentimes in the case of farming and ranching are, are prevalent. Uh, you have to know, uh, practically speaking, what happens when somebody dies and really what do we want to avoid? And oftentimes that's this thing called probate. Uh, and then we will have a discussion typically about what's the vehicle that we utilize in the modern era to deliver an estate plan. In the old days, we used to use a good old-fashioned will, and now in the more modern era, we use uh, typically this thing called a revocable living trust, and, and we would educate our clients on on kind of those rules, taxes, uh, probate avoidance, the vehicle that we utilize, uh, and but most importantly, getting the facts and the objectives. And then we kind of marry you know, the rules of the game, if you will, uh, with the facts and the objectives, and, and based on that, we make a recommendation as to what we think makes the most sense. With all of the things that you that you mentioned, with the, uh, the different aspects that are involved in estate planning, who all should be brought into this conversation? Do you want your insurance uh, agents there? Do you talk to bankers? Absolutely. That's, that's a great question. Um, and it's one of the most uh, oftentimes overlooked uh, aspects of this. I mean, you know, when you do an estate plan, yes, you know, in theory, people could, you know, find a form and hopefully if they follow the instructions and, and get it done. But, but that really leaves it undone. I mean, by having an estate planner, somebody that works in this field, they will absolutely assemble a team typically around you so that when you or your loved ones die or when both of you, husband and wife, die, there's, there's a team set up. And typically that would uh, consist of, of an attorney, uh, uh, estate planning attorney uh, specifically, uh, an accountant, oftentimes a banker or a trust company, uh, an insurance professional, life insurance professional, and, and very often uh, a money manager, a financial uh, person. Any one of those individuals may have the relationship with the client. Um, and, you know, in the old days it used to be that the attorney had to uh, kind of quarterback everything. Not so much. I mean, the, the key is getting those people on the same team and getting them to collaborate, uh, whether it's the attorney that's got the main relationship with the accountant or the investment professional. You want all those people speaking together because it's very integrated. If you just go and try and do all that on your own, uh, oftentimes uh, you create more uh, difficulty uh, than you do solutions. So. And again, you know, it's one of those topics that a lot of times people don't want to think about. We don't want to think about having to plan for when we're no longer here, but especially people with families and businesses and family businesses, it's important to have all of these uh, ducks in a row, if you'll let me use the expression. Um, what do you do if you have some children who are on and off of the farm? Well, I'll tell you, that's more uh, the rule than the exception. And, you know, a lot of times... You know, people get paralyzed, as you kind of just alluded to, not wanting to think about how to deal with you know, that very common scenario where you've got active and inactive family members in the, in, the, uh, in the farm. And quite frankly, there's a finite number of ways to deal with that. Um, you know, but all of that goes to kind of, uh, uh, you know, the older generation's objectives. And, and you know, typically those can uh, – People can be categorized, you know, from a philosophical standpoint in that scenario in one of three ways. You know, my family, for example, that has a ranch or a farm in, in uh, West Central Iowa, my grandparents, as it related to my mother, were very much uh, of the view that fair was equal. My mom was a nurse and was not active in the farm, and her brother was active his entire life. And, uh, you know, so my grandparents' view was that uh, fair is equal. Uh, notwithstanding that one was active, one was inactive. The flip side of that, I've had many clients, and again, there's no right or wrong answer here, uh, take the approach that uh, farming families come first, right? meaning uh, we're going to do everything we can uh, to uh, put farming families, that is the active children, in the position to keep farming and generationally uh, you know, their families to keep farming because that's what they do. Um, and then you kind of have a hybrid of those two. Uh, you know, you've got some families that, that, you know, view this as really an economic equation. We want to treat our kids, you know, generally equally economically 
But we want to make darn sure that the farming families, the people that are active, can control the farming operation uh, and, and manage it uh, the way that they know how without inter interference from the inactive children. And, and oftentimes, uh, as part of that strategy, which quite frankly I favor because it, you, you allow, uh, you know, for, for both actives and inactives for, to participate, uh, but you create exit strategies. If the farming, uh, if the farming family wants to take out inactive members, you put in strategies that allow that at predetermined pricing methodologies and payment methodologies. Um, likewise, if the uh, inactive family member wants to get out, meaning they don't want to be an owner in a farming operation uh, that they have no control over, you give them the ability to, to get out. And so it's about creating exit strategies and and creating fair pricing and payment terms for the farming family. So generally speaking, as overwhelming as, as some people think that it is, it's really pretty straightforward. I mean, and it, and it ties to what the family's philosophy is. And generally we can, um, you know, put people in one of those three categories, farming families first, uh, fair is equal, or sort of that hybrid uh, category. And then we can create solutions, uh, you know, based on those objectives. So just like every family is unique, every family can create the unique plan that's going to work for them. Absolutely. No two are necessarily alike. They may share some commonalities. Um, but again, that's, that goes back to the first comment that I made. My role as an estate planner is to listen and understand, uh, you know, what a family is saying and what their objectives are. And from that, we can, we can craft uh, a plan that stands the best chance of success once the, the older generation is gone and no longer in charge. I'm going to bring up another topic nobody wants to talk about, but let's talk about taxes. How do taxes play into estate planning? Well, you know, uh, right now uh, we're uh, in really good shape. Uh, effective January 1, uh, the government and all its benevolence, the federal government, uh, essentially uh, allows the husband and wife to pass up to 22.4 million of assets to the next generation without any federal estate tax consequence or the death tax as people commonly know it. Um, now, uh, so for, you know, the lion's share of farmers, not all of them, um, you know, that number uh, gets it done, right? But obviously that's not always the case. Um, and so to the extent that taxes, to, to, to land and, and equipment and et cetera, are, are over and above that, there are definitely some specific strategies that an estate planner that does this on a full-time basis knows how to utilize to minimize or ultimately mitigate potential taxes. I think the biggest thing to point out is that even though the law right now is drafted, creates a $22.4 million free bite uh, to farming families, the way the law is drafted is that is slated to come back to uh, half of that, approximately, about $11 million in 2026, absent Congress or the then, and the then sitting president um, uh, passing legislation to continue at the $22.4 million level. So planning needs to take place um, uh, with the assumption that the, the, the amount that a farming family can pass is $11 million because... I think in all likelihood, given the deficits in, uh, in our spending, uh, they're going to look to, to generate uh, additional tax revenue. And a real easy way to do that is on the federal estate tax side, because most people view it as a rich person's tax. For farmers, it's not that. It's that, you know, they're often uh, asset rich and cash poor, as they say. And, and uh, if they get trapped, um, you know, they end up having to sell land in order to pay the tax. And that's, that's due within nine months of date of death of the survivor. Once again, Dave Dvorak of Dvorak Law Group. This is AOA. I'm Sabrina Hill, and we'll be back in just a moment. less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. 
If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed so if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep call now for prices and information and then decide when you see how little they cost discover craftmatic for less up to 50 percent less than today's leading memory foam brand call 1-800-318-7903 that's 1-800-318-7903 1-800-318-7903 call now i'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better how do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to, are you? Kids, work, listening to the radio, you're busy, which is great because busy people can't get prediabetes. Oh my, I read that wrong. <laughs> they can. Should have worn my glasses. So visit doihaveprediabetes.org and take a short test because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. A powerful threat calls for a greater response. When there's a battle, bring strength. When there's a problem, seek answers. When there is doubt, give hope. Not tomorrow. Not in a few years. But right now. Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day. And you can be part of this battle too. Visit StandUpToCancer.org to learn more. Together, we can save lives. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. We all want more time with our dads, brothers, partners, friends, and our sons. Time for more conversations, more catch-ups, more of what life's all about. Now is our time to make it happen. Together, we can stop men dying too young by tackling the big issues. Prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health, suicide. It's time to act. Sign up at Movember.com and raise funds to help change the face of men's health.
information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Sabrina Hill. Welcome back. We're going to get a final look at some of the week's top ag news. The Protecting Family and Small Business Tax Cuts Act of 2018 makes changes in the tax code passed by Congress last year permanent for farmers and ranchers. The House of Representatives voted in favor of the bill last week. Pat Wolf, American Farm Bureau Federation's Senior Congressional Relations Director, says the bill includes provisions that affect the vast majority of farms and ranches. Important to farmers and ranchers are keeping the lower tax rates, keeping the increase in the estate tax exemption, and making sure that the 20% business income deduction stays put. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, passed in 2017, reduced taxes for all businesses, but only the tax cuts for incorporated businesses operated as C-corporations are permanent. Most farmers and ranchers, however, file their taxes as sole proprietors, partnerships, or S-corporations. We knew when tax reform passed last year that a second installment was going to be needed to make the provisions permanent. That's what the House did last week. Now the bill goes over to the Senate, where hopefully they'll take action after the election. Wolf says agriculture needs the predictability in the tax code the bill provides. Farming and ranching is difficult enough. There are so many unpredictable things, weather and markets, and the last thing that farmers need is an unpredictable tax code. That's AFBF Senior Congressional Relations Director Pat Wolf. Big steps in the new USMCA deal as Canada and the U.S. came to an agreement to start the week. And other big news, the Farm Bill missed its September 30th deadline. House Agriculture Committee Chairman Mike Conaway has comments on both, his office sending this audio to us. Chairman, I wonder if you can give us your reaction to the new USMCA deal. Well, uh, on balance, positive, because it shows forward movement. The president has uh, shown, once again, he knows how to negotiate. And he's brought uh, Canada and Mexico to the table. They've all three countries agreed. I think most of us would have wanted it to be a trilateral agreement because North America is uh, contiguous with with each other, land borders. And it just makes sense that there are certain economies of scale and certain efficiency accomplished when it's North America against the rest of the world, when it's it's supposed to just uh, individual bilateral deals. So glad that. Uh, looking forward to getting the process moving forward. Ways and means obviously will drive the train on how the, uh, what the steps are for the House to, uh, to, to weigh in. But uh, on balance, I'm, uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, the specifically, it looks like we've got some uh, relief on the dairy programs between, Mexico, between uh, U.S. and Canada. And uh, I know our dairy guys are evaluating exactly what they got and what they didn't get. Uh, I think they addressed the, uh, the the grain issue with grading our grain uh, as uh, as non-food grade grain just automatically get that process a little excess a little access on the poultry market as well. So uh, some of the things that uh, had been hot point issues with uh, uh, much of the ag community looked like they were addressed, and uh, they'll now have a chance to see. Uh, exactly what uh, what did happen and whether or not they're pleased with it, and we'll take that input from our uh, colleagues around the around the country. But I'm uh, I'm uh, glad we're here. How do you think that the new uh, trade agreement between among the three countries impacts conversations with China and the leverage that the president might have going forward? Well, I'm hopeful that it uh, it shows the Chinese that they need to come to the table in a fulsome way. Uh, the president's uh, you know he's uh, got a deal working with the EU. He's now announced this. Uh, uh, the new uh, USMCA agreement. Uh, he's got agreements working with uh, South Korea and perhaps Japan. And so, uh, you know, you don't want to be the last person, last country out of those conversations. And that, I think our president has demonstrated he knows how to negotiate. And, uh, and I think our Chinese uh, 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 folks should, uh, should come to the table quickly. What do you think the, the timeline looks like for getting this new trade agreement wrapped up? Well, the Trade Promotion Authority dictates certain time frames, and, and I'll let the trade lawyers and our, our Ways and Means guys uh, take care of the nits and nats. But uh, it, uh, I don't, uh, would be surprised if it's the uh, 116th Congress will actually weigh in and, and get this uh, you know, implementing language voted on. That uh, that's a part of this process. But if uh, it could get done this this Congress, fantastic. If it's not until next year, it'll get done on a timely basis. How would um, a Democratic House create additional issues in in getting this across the finish line? I'm not sure it would. Um, it, it's you know this not it's just, it shouldn't be partisan. 
Yeah, this should just be what's good for America and American ag production and all the other elements of it. Now, this is this issue is I mean, this deal is broader than just ag. I, I tend to be a bit ag centric, but uh, certainly the ag provisions aren't particularly partisan. Uh, it's just getting fair play by for our producers, uh, the grain. You know, I don't know if it's, if they're Democrat or Republican producers, but their grain not being graded properly in Canada is, is just wrong. Uh, we've got, I'm sure, Democrat dairymen and, and uh, Republican dairymen, and uh, getting additional access to uh, Canada is the right thing for everybody. So I hope that that it wouldn't uh, necessarily impact it. But uh, you know, it's that's up to the up to my Democrat colleagues if uh, if they're so you know inclined to to um, to work with President Trump, then then they should, they will. If they're not inclined to work with President Trump, then we'll cross that. Uh, bridge when it happens. Moving on to Farm Bill, last week you uh, put out a statement that essentially said that the Senate isn't really coming to the table in the way that you would like them to with regard to the Farm Bill. Uh, this week, fast forward to this week, you had a photo that came out after your Farm Bill meeting this morning where you're linked arm in arm. What has changed between last week and this week? I felt like we had a great meeting. Uh, obviously, they had seen my statement and, and uh, had had uh, uh, knew about it. it. Was not discussed in the meeting, but but uh, we uh, we agreed that uh, maybe we've got three titles that are getting really close, and let's go ahead and if we could get those closed down and show movement uh, to the world that we're actually making progress, that would help. But I've got uh, you know the four of us, I believe, came out of that meeting uh, ready to continue to work, ready to continue. To you know, lay the lash on our staffs to get the, to get the process moving forward. So I, it was, uh, you know, I, I, my colleagues are sincere about uh, moving this forward, and time will tell if uh, if each of us were being sincere in those comments. Do you think you can get this wrapped up before the elections? Not voted on, uh, although there's a possibility that we could, uh, you know, I think the Senate's going to be in. We could get everybody to come back. I don't know if the leadership would do that. But uh, certainly getting it done this year is imperative because the, more draconian aspect, draconian aspects of permanent law began to er uh, emerge their ugly heads in, uh, in late December, early January. So time is of the essence, and, uh, and getting this done in the 115th Congress is the right thing to do. House Agriculture Committee Chairman Representative Mike Conaway of Texas. That's our show for today and ends my week of guest hosting. Mike Adams returns on Monday. This is AOA. I'm Sabrina Hill. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network.